morning, everybody. And um, I'm really sorry not to be with you in person. Um, I've got um, a bit of a virus. Um, and so I'm keeping away from church just to protect other people from getting it as well. Um, I really don't want to pass it on to you. But um, it's good to be able to talk to you this morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Georgia Condell and I'm the curate here at St. James by the Park. I wanted to start with a question this morning. How's your fuel tank? Quite topical, isn't it? Um, I know um, ours was down to the, the last few miles um, last week um, and we knew you had to make some journeys. So we had a little bit of a drive around having to find some fuel. But I'm not here this morning to talk to you about the fuel crisis. You'll be pleased to know. Uh, you probably had enough of that, as it were. Um, but what I want to talk to you about this morning is your internal fuel tank. Because um, some of you, a bit like our cars, will be feeling like you're running on empty or very near to empty. Um, physically, I'm not feeling great at the moment, as you can probably tell from my voice. Um, but actually, spiritually, we can often be running on low fuel, can't we? And I wonder how you're feeling at the moment. Um, I would say last week, I was probably running on kind of this much energy spiritually as well. Um, but praise God, God does not have a fuel crisis. Uh, in him, we can fill up as often as we like. And isn't that wonderfully good news? But what is it exactly that I'm filling up on? How is it that I'm equipped and fueled to be Jesus' disciple? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning in this passage from John. You see, Jesus didn't just come to teach his disciples how to live their lives. He gave them all that they would need to do that. I think your sense in this passage in John 14, that the disciples are pretty disturbed, and I think justifiably so. Jesus has just told them that he's going to be leaving them. Imagine how they are feeling about that. They've given up everything, these people, haven't they? They've given up their livelihoods, their family life, their financial security, and now Jesus says he's off. They supposed to do? How are they supposed to cope without him? Imagine as a child in school, your teacher suddenly says, actually I'm off now, uh, you get on with school by yourselves. Or imagine in your workplace, your boss just says, actually I'm off now, you can just get on with all that work yourself, you might feel you do that anyway, I don't know. Imagine the church leadership, the PCC, Dan all say, right, we're off. You run the church. <laughs> it's quite a scary thing suddenly to be in that position of responsibility, to have to step up to that, isn't it? Jesus says to his disciples, and I believe he says to us too, don't worry, I've got this. He says, you've had me here physically for the past three years, but even that has been limited by my physical ability to be with you. I can't be with you all the time. Jesus says, here's the great news. 
I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the helper, the advocate. And he's always going to be with you. He's never going to leave you, never abandon you. And that's the great news in this passage. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but when I pray, more often than not, I pray to Jesus. I pray to God. And I feel like I have more of a handle on the persons of Jesus and God than perhaps I do on the Holy Spirit. But I think we're missing something, something really vital. If we don't begin to explore who the Holy Spirit is and all that the Holy Spirit gifts us with. In these passages, in this passage in John, I think we begin to see a bit more clearly who the Holy Spirit is. In John 14, verse 16, he's described as the advocate in the translation I have. In other translations, you'll see helper or comforter. The Greek word here is actually parakletos. Um, parakletos literally means one who is called alongside the parabit, something like parallel or paramedic, and the kletos being the called. And it has this sense of the Holy Spirit being there to journey with us throughout our lives, to be a support, to be a comfort, to defend and protect us. I wonder if you're the only Christian in your family or maybe in your workplace or in your friendship group. Does it feel quite like a lonely place to be? We should be encouraged because we have the Holy Spirit with us. In all those circumstances, we are never alone. And I think sometimes we just need reminding of that, don't we? Jesus goes on to explain a little bit more about who the Holy Spirit is in verse 26. He says this, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you all of all that I've said to you. I think many times we feel quite inadequate as Christians. I certainly do. And perhaps you don't feel you know your Bible well enough. You don't know Jesus teaching well enough. You find it difficult to explain to others about your faith and perhaps it holds you back um, from perhaps sharing or being as open about your faith. Jesus is here to reassure us and the disciples that when we're not sure what to say, the Holy Spirit is there to prompt us. Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very moment at that very hour is a lovely Greek word kairos here which means the opportune moment that very time when you need the Holy Spirit you need prompting he's going to prompt you as what you ought to say the Holy Spirit will teach you at that kairos moment what you ought to say oh, such a wonderful promise isn't it we in this country of course are so um, fortunate to have ready access to Bibles scripture to Christian literature and praise God for that but praise God also for those in other countries where his word is not so readily acceptable that the Holy Spirit is there to instruct and to teach I wonder how you feel about this indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
is it something that you feel perhaps you've never experienced? Maybe God feels quite distant. Or maybe you do, you experience it on a daily basis. Praise God for that. Or maybe it's something that's occasionally there, you're occasionally aware, you have the Holy Spirit prompting you, but it's not a daily experience. Perhaps you're a new Christian or someone who's seeking and you're thinking, what is this woman talking about? I've never heard about this before in my life. Now, I'm not here to talk to you about the Trinity today. Uh, all I would say is that as Christians, we believe um, that the Godhead is three persons, Jesus, uh, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. But they are all three persons, but they're all united and one. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, I'm going to be talking um, later on about that to one of the small groups. So you can always um, uh, get me and uh, ask me a little bit more about that if you want to. But of course, this whole concept was new to the disciples as well. Um, Judas, not Iscariot, uh, one of the other Judas amongst the disciples, asked Jesus in verse 22, how? How is that going to happen? How are you going to reveal yourself to us if you're going away? I don't understand. Now, for Jews, of course, the Holy Spirit is mentioned throughout Old Testament scripture. Right at the very beginning in Genesis, we have the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. He is part of creation, part of the creative spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit poured out on individuals, um, like on David and on some of the prophets. But what's radical here, what Jesus is promising to his disciples, is that his death and his resurrection are going to make that Holy Spirit available to all believers. And that is the wonder of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. God has poured out his spirit on all believers. It's wonderful good news, isn't it? So let me ask you again, how is your fuel tank? Are you trying to live the life of a disciple on an empty tank? Are you trying to make disciples without being equipped by the Holy Spirit? Do you think you can do it in your own strength? Well, let me tell you, you can't. And I've tried. And it's not a good place to be. That's a road to burnout and to disillusionment. It is never, ever what Jesus intended for you or I. Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter five, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What he actually says in the Greek is keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So yes, it's something that happens to us when we become Christians, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist um, talks about uh, the fact that he baptised with water but one is coming, Jesus, who will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So there's a water baptism, but there's also a baptism in the Holy Spirit, that infilling of the Holy Spirit. But we need to keep on being filled. Just as we keep on filling up our carts with petrol, we need to keep on filling ourselves up with the Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you to top up your tank to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you in 
I'd love for us to be praying for one another, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as the early disciples, the apostles in Acts went around praying over people to be filled with the Spirit. That may be something you want, you really want to do after the service. I'd really encourage you. Um, if there are people in the prayer ministry team, I'm sure there will be um, who will pray with you at the end of the service if you feel that's something you really need and you really want. Um, or it might be something you want to do in your small groups or with um, a small group of um, Christians that you trust, maybe that you meet with regularly, maybe your, um, your prayer triplets or um, prayer quads. And let's thank Jesus for the wonderful gift of his spirit to fill us to renew us and to empower us. I just want to read this short passage from The Shack. Now, um, if you've not come across this book, um, this um, had quite a dramatic impact on me and my Christian understanding of um, the Trinity. And uh, it's, it's written as a novel. Um, it's about a chap who's had a really tragic circumstance. I won't spoil it for you if you want to read it. Um, but he comes across this shack and in it are three um, people living there. And he basically meets um, God, the father, um, as, as mama actually is, as she, um, and um, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And I'm just going to read you a little bit um, from that passage because I think it's a lovely understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit here. This is Jesus talking to this chap, Mac. Don't think that it's just because I'm not visible that our relationship has to be less real. It will be different, but perhaps even more real. How's that? My purpose from the beginning was to live in you and you in me. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. How can that happen? If you're still fully human, how can you be inside me? I know, astounding, isn't it? It's Papa's miracle. It's the power of Sariah, my spirit, the spirit of God who restores the union that was lost so long ago. Me, I choose to live moment by moment fully human, but I'm also fully God but I'm human to the core. Like I said, it's Papa's miracle. Mac was lying in the darkness, listening intently. Aren't you talking about a real indwelling, not just some positional theological thing? Of course, answered Jesus. His voice strong and sure. It's what everything is all about. The human formed out of the physical material, creation and once more be fully indwelt with spiritual life, my life. It requires a very real, dynamic and active union. And uh, that's something of the mystery of God, the mystery of the Trinity, that we can live day to day, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as our comforter, as our helper, as our advocate.